Welcome back to the ball, episode number 18. Champions League is back this week, so we're going to slide on on into that. Brian, any any great games you watched over the over the course of the Champions League week? Which which games do you think was the best? You know, there's a couple that caught my eye. You know, as a biased Liverpool supporter, I love seeing them get a win. You know, okay. after losing four straight in the Prem, that felt real good. Expected that, expected that. Um, I think the one that probably surprised me the most, but was also real exciting, was that Chelsea Atletico Madrid game this morning. Okay, yeah, 1-0, 1-0. Chelsea's forms continued. You know, they hadn't really played anybody in the Premier League, but they came out and faced a, a strong Atletico team and were able to get the result. Usually, um, Atletico, when they're in the Champions League at least, they usually have that hunger with them. You know, they're pressing high, they're getting the ball back, and uh, putting a lot of pressure on the opposition. But this game, they barely had any possession. Um, Chelsea felt it looked like they were in control their entire time, and they didn't really give Chelsea any problems. I think Chelsea had most of the uh, control. And um, do you think? This is it for Atletico. Do you think they can come back and uh, revert it? Because they did do the same thing to Liverpool last season, right? They dropped in the first leg, and then they came over to Anfield and um, got the got the result. No, I wouldn't put it past them. They're far from out being only one goal down. Um, but, you know, it was a disappointing performance for them. Zero shots on target. Like you said, minimal possession. Um, but they weren't far from it. Um, at, it wasn't this... Uh, the first ever win by a Premier League team in the Champions League against Atletico Madrid. That's true. It's a ridiculous. It's a ridiculous stat. Chelsea is the only English team to ever beat Atletico Madrid in Spain, and it's just unbelievable to me. Now, Dortmund also got the win, so not a not a good uh, stretch or not a good showing for all the Liga teams. Sevilla yeah. losing to uh, Dortmund and Holland making his way again. Uh, maybe you got some inspiration from Mbappe uh, the, the, the night before, but well, what would you make of that game? Did you see those goals from Holland? He, he really is a special talent. You know, you know, when he first started making his run, I was a little skeptical. You know, I thought you know he might have a sophomore slump, but he's really he just gets buckets. He just continually finds the net, and I did really love his off-ball movement. He's hungry. He's a he's an athlete as well. This man is an athlete. Like guys moving left and right, up and down smoothly very very smooth now Barcelona also took an L the so third La Liga team to go down that's, that's that's three in a row right there hopefully this doesn't continue tomorrow my team Madrid is playing so hopefully we squeeze that one out but uh, Mbappe man what, what can you say about him I mean the finishing especially his last one in the 85th minute just the pace was too much for them and um it's incredible. Like I told you, he's officially the third best player in the world now. I think he's overtaken Neymar, at least in my mind, um, just because of the amount of goals he's scoring and in big, big matches. And he's fit. And he's he's there, you know. Yeah, it's the durability that really separates him. He's out there and playing, and he's making the impact. Um, no, he's an incredible athlete, and he's becoming a better and better player every time he touches the pitch, which. It's really hard to fathom with where he's already become. Yeah, def- I definitely see him being. I feel like if they win the Champions League, he's definitely going to be the Ballon d'Or winner. He's going to take it home as uh, best player in Europe and 
best player in the world. I don't I don't see how you wouldn't give it to him at the amount of goals he's scoring. I think the most surprising thing from that game was how much you know PSG really dominated in the midfield too. You know, when you think of these great Barcelona squads, you think of their control and dominance of the ball in the middle. But for Tati was dancing all around him and finding these holes to get Moises Keane and Mbappe in and I think that's really what was the game changer there. So we saw one goat take an L, and then the very next day, the other one took the L. Uh, Juventus losing 2-1. Porto, Ronaldo coming up against his Real Madrid partner uh, in crime there, Pepe. And I know they had a, uh, some nice times at Madrid. And uh, 2-1. I was expecting this to definitely go the other side. Every time you see Ronaldo and Champions League together, I'm, I'm already thinking brace hat trick you know but he was pretty quiet it might have been the first time i saw a maybe like a first half highlight with no mention of ronaldo he was uh, completely absent during that but you know how this man is first like second leg and he's liable to just come up with a hat trick out of nowhere he'll certainly be motivated he's not gonna let this uh happen again now, tomorrow, we've got Madrid at Atlanta. Uh, can you get your prediction on that? What do you, th- what do you think that goes down there? You know, I, I, I do think Madrid's going to hold it down and get the result, but that a- Atalanta side is really exciting. They love to attack, and, you know, they really can make things happen. I'm going to say 3-1 Madrid. 3-1 Madrid, I would, I would agree with you with that. Um, we've been in okay form in the league and um, finally getting a bit of players back. We still have Ramos gone, which kind of um, is always alarming. Your center back is gone, who's also a center back captain, which I think gives a a bit more uh, importance to the team and gives them a bit more direction. Um, But yeah, 3-1 Madrid sounds about right. What about uh, City, Mönchengladbach? Yeah, I really don't see this one going any way except for City's way uh, with their form. You know, we were just checking. They haven't lost a game, or they haven't even lost a point um, since the middle of December. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, I, I see this 3-0, really casual, um, but decisive win. Yeah, if, 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 if Gundogan is, is playing, you know, maybe he might pop in like six, seven goals. <laughs> you know, you never know. And Raheem out there, Golden, De Bruyne, who, I don't know. You can't say anymore about this team they're just they're, they're an incredible team now let's uh turn our attention to the premier league right some key matches happened over this uh past couple match days and started off with city arsenal city getting a routine win 1-0 uh, de bruyne back in the team which is always good to see and 18th straight win 10 points clear. I mean, this is the scary part about this team, right? De Bruyne is back, and they're 10 points clear. Um, do you think? Do you see them running away with this thing? I, I feel like they already are. Yeah, it's pretty clear that that's the direction the season's going. I, the thing I noticed, Man City's cool differential is by far the best in the league at plus 35. Their goal differential is higher than half the team's goals for record which is just insane. You know, they've just been dominating. 
And like we said, they haven't lost a game since Tottenham back in November. Um, and that's when we thought Tottenham had a legitimate chance of the league. And, you know, they're back at ninth now. I was one, I was one of those people that was uh, on the Mao and Tottenham bandwagon and Gareth Bale transfer signing have going down, you know. Um, speaking of Tottenham, they lost again 2-1 to one to West Ham. And surging West Ham, sur- surging West Ham with uh, their brand new signing Lingardinho, or also also referred to as uh, Jesse Lingard. He has three goals, one assist, and three appearances. Now, um, what a signing! Here's the thing: he wasn't able to break into that Manchester United squad, and every time he did, he wasn't able to make an impact, and he looked, frankly, a little scared and nervous out there. Now on this West Ham side, he has more freedom and he's he looks loose. He's dancing again. I mean, it's, if we're being honest, right? If you've got a squad of Greenwood, Rashford, Martial, Cavani, I don't see him breaking into that team myself. I can understand why he was sometimes not even in the 18. You know, so it's great to see him on the pitch though, getting some great run-ins in at West Ham, who is fourth in the league. So. Got the Champions League spot right now. No, you know it's it's been an incredible story. You know, looking at the top eight, they only Everton has a lower goal differential than West Ham, but they find a way to get the results. You know, they're willing to concede and only hold the ball for thirty percent of the time, so long as they're, you know, in the W column at the end of the game. Yeah, they forty-five points. That's it's higher than Chelsea, higher than Liverpool, higher than Everton, Tottenham, Arsenal. You know, some of those big sixes are. Um, Better, better than they're, what they're doing right now. And finally, uh, Liverpool and Everton, two 0 uh, Liverpool's fourth straight loss, and maybe even a bigger, bigger loss. Liverpool is losing, losing Hendo. And what do you, what do you feel? How, how, how did that game make you feel, Brian? I know, it, I know, it hurt deep. You know, it hurt from the get go. You know, giving up that early goal to Charleston. Um, and just to, you know, honestly played well throughout the first half. Um, Pickford, who was man of the match, saved a number of really great Liverpool chances. You know, Pickford's been our arch nemesis after, you know, injuring Van Dyke in that opener to now um, this past weekend's performance. And this is, uh, there's not too, too many miles between these two teams, right? So maybe Pickford might just be walking down the street and... You know, get, gets ran up on by, by some uh, Liverpool fans. I'd, I'd watch his back. I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, advocating for that sort of behavior, but I'd be careful if I was you, Jordan. Um, but then, the, you know, the penalty call in the second half w- was tough. Um, you know, I haven't seen a scenario like that where somebody slides on an initial tackle and then uh, Calvert-Lewin decides to just keep running and falls over the top of uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I was questionable at the call, but... Ultimately, it didn't matter as either way we would have come up with the L. True, true. Now, uh, things are not looking uh, too good, uh, to say the least, right? But I am really interested to see the next center back pairing and what it is going to look like for Liverpool um, coming into the next stretch of games. Do you think, do do you even... Do you think they have you have the depth to withstand what's coming? Um, well, I think Kubak has established himself as capable back there. You know, he's had a, he was among the top uh, man in the match contenders 
in a previous match. Um, I, I don't know who's going to come along and play it alongside him with Henderson out. Um, you know, it could either be Ben Davies gets his shot in there because I haven't seen him yet. Um, but I'm really not sure the direction Klopp's going to go. It's going to be interesting to see. You've got Sheffield coming up, and I would say f- free three points there. But nothing's well, that's, free. That's what, probably what you would have said uh, when we played Brighton earlier this month, too. It is. It is. Um, so you, you, nothing's a given right now for Liverpool. they got to fight for every point. They really need to come together and scrap something up. Um, I wouldn't doubt if it, if it continues to go south and they just focus all their energy in the Champions League at this point. I think they're going to fight to get that fourth slot, make it the Champions League, but also put most majority of their effort towards Europe. I think it makes financial sense. Very much, very much so. Um, especially with the uh, in, impact of the coronavirus and uh, there's going to be a lot of emphasis on uh, become being a profitable business and how um, which these companies and we see them as teams but they're also companies and they've, they've got to stay profitable right and at this point Liverpool I think has to make some serious decisions and Champions League might be the biggest draw um, in terms of revenue impacts now speaking of money and revenue we're gonna slide into the writer's corner now in the writer's corner this week we're gonna look a little bit into the Premier League financials um, and how the COVID um, pandemic impacted the revenues between the teams this article is from Forbes and it's by Zach Gardner they he did a really good job writing this and it's uh, taking a look into Deloitte's annual financial report. Now, Brian, you're familiar with this. Uh, is this the accounting world that I'm into here? Yeah, the accounting financial world. They, yeah. they do a little bit of everything. Okay, so they they release uh, basically a report of European football uh, financials. Now, um, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Premier League actually lost a billion uh, dollars of revenue, and well, it's $1.2 billion to be to be exact. So if you look across every Premier League team and you break up um, where the money comes from or how they make this money, th- only 13% comes from match day revenue. Now, um, when you're watching these games and you're signing all these fans, uh, I'm personally, I thought that would be higher. Right? Was that a bit surprising to find out it was so low? Well, yeah, you, you think of the, the ticket prices that those games go for, all the commissions, uh, the jersey sales. Um, there's a lot of opportunity for revenue there, but I guess there's other bigger fish to fry. Yeah, and the bigger fish is, or the second biggest fish is uh, sponsorships and commercials, right? So if you've got like a Pugba on your team or if you've got uh, a Rashford or a Sané or any other big big names you can obviously get more money on sponsorships and it's also that big emirates on the front of your jerseys and whatnot too you know, these are these are huge firms just pleading to get on those shirts right so that's 28 percent. and then the biggest fish of them all is broadcasting right they're signing some huge huge tv deals so um most of the money that was lost in the 1920 season was because of the rebates 
that these teams had to pay, right? So Sky Sports got 330 million euros from the Premier League. Sky Sports makes up uh, the majority of the broadcasting um, games that gets to show the Premier League. Second is BT Sports at 57 games and Amazon at, at 20 games. Brian, have you ever seen a, a, a Premier League game on Amazon yet? Negative. No, me, me either. But this is just the, the English market, I guess. So uh, Amazon is, I guess, breaking into the English market when it comes to showing games. So Sky is Sky is showing 128 live uh, Premier League games. So that gives you an idea of the dis- of this the difference there. So in 1819, uh, revenue was 6.59 billion. Pandemic happened, revenue dropped down to 5.5 billion. But interestingly, in 2020-21, it's projected to go up by 320 million of the 1819 so it's going to go all the way back up to 6.91 which is higher than both of the last two years right so i started thinking how is this how is this going on you know how how are they losing a billion dollars and then coming back stronger post-pandemic so if if you followed from last season did you realize there was like no off season basically in terms of when the game stopped and when they started again? It was a quick turnaround. It was like a month, uh, maybe even yeah, maybe maybe like a month, right? But compared to previous seasons, it felt way too fast, and um, the players were complaining, and uh, we even had our own worries about injuries and quality and everything. So coming back so fast allowed them to jam a whole bunch of games in, basically nonstop, right? Because you're jamming all these missed games that you uh, couldn't play. And then now, since you're actually showing these games, you have like a delayed payment from the broadcasters. Right? So, um, camp cramp schedule, and then also the deferred payments from the broadcasters, it's going to see your revenue rise. Right? But this is going to cause a big problem because of the big six. Right? Your Arsenal's, Liverpool's, Manchester City's. They're the ones who make most of the money in the league, right? In 1819, the average revenue for a big six club was $639 million. Everyone else, their average was 197. Yeah, there's a huge, huge cash difference in there. So if you're, if, if you're a struggling club, and you're going through a pandemic, obviously you're going to be worse off compared to a Manchester United, right? So now, if you get into some of the problems here is obviously the bigger company or team is going to have way more cash because they have wealthier owners. And some of the implications is they're going to be able to keep more of their players, right? Because they're going to make that wage bill. Now... Brian, what do you think this is going to play out in the future here? Do you, because this gap is just going to get even bigger between the lower ranked teams and the big six. Yeah, I think there's going to... What's going to occur? Obviously, the disparity is going to be tough to overcome. But the smart clubs, the ones that make really wise financial decisions, pick up players who you know, couldn't be held onto by certain clubs, you know, they, they might be able to really take advantage of this situation and really peak and move up. 
but it also establishes the basics not going away. You know, oh, yeah. that, the, the money, the talent follows the money, and it's going to continue to stay there. And that's um, that's the point I wanted to hit on as well, is these teams with all the money are obviously going to have an unfair advantage in the transfer market, right? So if Sheffield can't hold on to their $10 million midfielder because they don't have as much revenue for wages and they don't have that much money just laying around, but like a Everton maybe or or Manchester City they can splash out ten million like it's like it's like it's nothing maybe not even let's not even put Manchester City spending ten million. That's <laughs> chump change. Yeah, that's chump change. But it's gonna cause uh, imbalance in the transfer market, and it's just gonna cause more and more domination, which it might be a good thing or a bad thing. But I know I'll be watching a hundred percent, no matter the imbalance. I do support Real Madrid, so I guess I, <laughs> I don't care too much about balance, right? But what, what, what kind of interests me is how are these uh, contracts between the, these broadcasting companies are going to change over time? Are, are they going to really continue to do year-long deals, or are they going to want to go to more a month-to-month sort of program to prevent from these type of losses? That's a that's a great point. Um, thinking about it quickly. I feel like the system they have now protects the these broadcasting companies, right? So in this case, they didn't have to pay the Manchester United if they're not showing their games, even in the pandemic. Can you imagine the type of clause they had to write in that contract? It's like, no, <laughs> even a pandemic, we will not pay, right? But it, yeah, inter- moving forward, it'd be interesting to see how these contracts get structured and... I feel like more of the power is going to be with the broadcasters because if they're making up 59% of these Premier Leagues uh, or at least the whole team's revenue, um, the power is where the money is, right? So uh, they're going to have a lot of say in, in, in what happens next. But let's stay tuned. Let's, let's see how this affects the next couple of years. Now it's time for the Balls Power Rankings. Now, we're just going to go straight from fifth all the way to first. Brian, do you see? Do you have any objections with that? I feel like if you go from fifth to first in the table, you could go or you could see the top five teams. Based on recent form and everything, yeah, it's, it, it makes sense. It, it gives an accurate picture of where we are in the, the league. Now, number five, we're going to go with Chelsea. They picked up a draw last game, but they were in pretty good form. New manager, you think things are turning around over there? Yeah, you could argue that they're in the best form in the Premier League outside of Manchester City. Um, You know, the one issue is they haven't really played too much competition. I think within the Premier League, the best team they've played is Tottenham, who's lost four of their last five. Um, I think this win against Atletico this morning is promising for their form. So we're going to have to see how they do once they face some tougher squads. They're definitely going back to the league with some confidence. And next, who they have here? They've got Manchester United, and then they've got Liverpool, and then they've got Everton. They've got leads. Oh man, they've got a. Hopefully, they're in good form coming up against those guys. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be time for, to prove what they got going on and see if uh, Tuchel really was the the right move. Number four, we've got West Ham, forty-five points, fourth in the league. You don't see it every day, but I'm enjoying seeing it when I can. And 
every time Lingard scrolls, those bubbles come out. And uh, we'll see how long this goes. Let's see how long this goes. Number three, we've got Leicester. Leicester's always sticking around there. They never drop too far down. It's very, very solid. We've got 49 points. And United is also level one points. But we're giving them the bump up because of the goal differential. And number one, Manchester City. That's just, that's an obvious claim. They're obviously the top team in the Premier League. Are they the best team in the world right now? I would say they're the best team in the world right now as well. Yeah, I don't I don't know any other team that's that can. There are teams out there, but the depth this team has, and every it seems like everyone's firing at the right time. And the scariest part is De Bruyne just came back. So can you imagine what would happen if he just starts balling out like he usually does? Yeah, I really think the only arguments you could make is maybe Bayern, maybe PSG. Um, but with the consistency of their form running through the Premier League, which is the most competitive league in world football, it's it's really undisputable. Thanks for tuning in to The Ball, airing every Wednesday on Apple iTunes and Spotify. Let's get the ball rolling. See you next week.